Hello, I'm Alexia, and let me help you to take the fear out of birth with a mix of real-life positive birth stories and birthing experts sharing their wisdom. I'll also be sharing techniques for getting into the fearless birthing mindset. And join the Fearless Mumship community for bonus podcast episodes, access to free birth preparation downloads, and loads more stuff to help you to prepare for a positive birth. Join today at fearfreechildbirth.com. Hello and welcome back to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leach, and thank you so much for joining me today. Now, on today's podcast, it's a bit of a rallying cry. Today, I want to really rally the troops round and invite you to help us to save the midwife. Now, this does sound like a bit of a crazy thing, like why would midwives be on the brink of extinction? Well, they are. Here in the UK, they are. The midwifery profession is under threat. Now, I don't want to get all ranty and soapboxy, but I'm afraid today I am. Because for me, you know, with my own personal mission, if that's the right word for it, is to take the fear out of birth and help women to approach birth fear-free, then what is happening to midwives is most certainly a huge piece of that puzzle. Because when a woman can relax going into her birth, knowing that she's going to be looked after, knowing that she's going to be supported, knowing that she knows the woman who's going to be there and knows that that woman cares, all that can play a massive, massive role in helping a woman to lose the fear that she might have when it comes to her upcoming birth. There are lots of women that struggle with birth that maybe had a difficult first experience and so for them the ability the right for them to choose who is with them to support them during birth is a right that all women deserve to have and yet here in the UK that right was taken away from them. Now I don't want to lose my international listeners at this point but this is not just a UK issue. We've uh, certainly in the UK the midwifery profession is under a bit of a spotlight because it's looked at globally and as all other nations are looked at for ideas on how we can advance the profession. And so what is happening here in the UK is under a spotlight and therefore we need to do what we can to protect midwifery because this means we're not just talking about so women that happen to be a midwife and we need to protect their jobs. It's, it's, it's about so much more than that. It's about protecting women's rights, families' rights for them to be supported during what is one of the most important events of their lives, the arrival of the people that they're going to love the most. You know, this is not an event that we need to be shrugging under the carpet. Birth is a momentous event and we need to do what we can to protect it and to ensure that women everywhere can have the most positive birth possible. So today, to help me to educate you a little bit more on this issue and why it is so important, I've got a brilliant guest that's going to be joining me today. Today, I'm going to be joined by Ruth Weston, who's campaigning here in the UK to wake up people and get them to all sort of stand behind her and really help to bring about positive change in terms of what's happening with midwifery here in the UK. So in a moment, I'm going to hand over to that. But first, I've just got a little bit of an update for you. Well, actually, I've got two updates, if that's okay. Uh, The first one is about my book. Now, I've been banging on about my book for ages, and many of you have probably signed up to receive a free chapter. And you're probably wondering, where on earth is her book? Well, I'll tell you where it's been. It's been loitering in a little dusty corner because I've been busy doing other stuff. But also, I was really struggling with getting somebody to 
do my book cover. I did have a book cover that I was using and I just fell out of love with it. I just didn't like it anymore. And I was like, I can't, I can't bring the book out with this cover. I just can't do it. But brilliant news. I found somebody just after Christmas to help me with the book cover. And we have been working on the design over the last few weeks. And it's very, very exciting. It's taking a little bit longer than it would do because this person is a very, very busy person with lots of big design projects on. So um, yeah, it's taken a bit longer than I'd hoped, but I don't actually care because I'm absolutely loving what is emerging. And I will be able to share with you little snippets of what it looks like. So if you're interested to find out little snippets of what the book cover is going to look like, and maybe it's just me getting all excited about this, but I'd love for you to get excited with me about it. Then if you're on my email list, then I will be sharing little snippets of the book cover in the next few weeks because, um, well, I'll be getting all excited about it. And, and that means that the book's going to be out soon. So yeah, that's update number one. Now, the other update, the reason again why I've been distracted from not doing the book is because of my membership site. Now, I mentioned this back in January and I've been working really, really hard to create loads of content for my Fear Free Childbirth members. Now, I did have a, a little uh, free area where you can get a lot of the free downloads that come with the podcast. And that is currently, you can go in there and get all that stuff. Well, there's a whole load of extra stuff that I've been creating behind the scenes uh, for you to help you on your pregnancy journey and to prepare you for birth. So loads of X resources, really pulling together a lot of the research and the evidence that's out there, things to help you with planning your birth, understanding the professionals that can support you during your birth, and basically going to a whole new level that I just can't go on the podcast. So that is going to be launched very, very soon. And if you want to be in the founding tribe, and basically that means you get a discount, uh, then you can join the founding tribe if you come and join the Fear Free Childbirth community. Just join anywhere on the list. I'm going to be emailing people who subscribe uh, on the Fear Free Childbirth site to let them know all about the becoming a founding member of the members site. So you all you need to do is just go to the website and just sign up and make sure you're signing up to receive my emails. And then you will be able to have sneak preview of the book cover, but also make it onto the founding tribe so you can get a discount on the up and coming member site that's coming out very, very soon. So that is it for my update today. And now back to today's show. So today I'm chatting to Ruth Weston and Ruth is going to do a very good job of explaining the extent of the situation regarding midwifery here in the UK. And it is quite staggering, believe me, when she kind of tells you in the first bit that she tells you, it is kind of my jaw pretty much dropped when I was listening to what she said. So she not only explains it beautifully, but then she also describes how we can actually take part and help. And that is whether you're listening to us internationally or whether you're here in the UK, there is something that we can all do to protect women's rights in birth, which ultimately means we can protect women against the fear of birth, which is what I'm really passionate about. So I hope that we've got you on board. Now listen up to Ruth because she is an absolute gem. I hope you enjoy listening to her. Welcome Ruth to the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Not at all. It's, it's a pleasure. Now Ruth, we are going to talk about a whole host of stuff. So before we do kick off, let us know who Ruth is. Tell us a little bit more about the work that you do so that the listeners can have a sense of the wisdom and expertise they are about to hear and why you know so much. Okay, my name's Ruth Weston um, and I have five children. Um, four of them were uh, born at home. One of them was with um, an independent midwife. The um, rest were NHS midwives. Um, I got involved in, in the birth world on impulse um, because I couldn't get a birth pool any other way. I bought the birth pool hire company that I was going to hire off. And I've been running um, a birth pool, growing a birth pool business 
ever since. Um, and, in, and since then, I have run um, and set up a, a home birth group and then set up a network of home birth groups and set up an email um, newsletter around that. I've chaired um, organisations that help improve maternity within um, my region uh, of Yorkshire and uh, and I'm a breastfeeding supporter and I've been involved and an activist in um, quality maternity care for forever. Brilliant <laughs> and really it's this activist bit this is the reason we first got in touch is because for those people listening to the podcast, they may or may not be aware that we've got a bit of a situation kicking off here in the UK that has the potential to affect midwifery and women all over the world. And so this is why I really wanted to invite you on and have a chat because you delivered a speech or a presentation at a conference uh, in the last few weeks, the Association of Radical Midwives Conference. And um, Radical Midwives sounds a bit crazy for a title, but actually radical means getting back to the roots and the origins of midwifery and so such a perfect conference to deliver your talk and I said hey I want to hear I want to hear you bring this to the podcast so because um because of what's going on in the UK so but before for those that haven't heard what's going on in the UK would you mind just giving a little bit of a summary as to what the situation is is happening in the UK what it what are midwives currently facing what are mothers facing right now here in the UK in terms of the situation Okay, just after Christmas, a press release went out to say that midwives, independent midwives, had been banned from practising in the UK due to their insurance being inadequate. They were given three weeks notice and it arrived just before Christmas. So that meant midwives were deprived of their living. But worse, from my point of view as a woman, was that um, women were deprived over the Christmas period um, at three weeks notice of their prime carer. Um, so they would have to find alternative arrangements for their birth, which could have been very imminent. That made me very angry. And then I started trying to find out what was going on. The insurance issue for independent midwives has been rumbling on forever, for many, many years. They'd got an insurance package. What has come out is that the NMC, which is the regulatory body um, for midwives in the UK, had not actually examined that in detail before saying it was inadequate. They just they said they didn't have time to to do that, um, but they still said it was inadequate. But don't say how that how the package could be adequate. So they've said no, but they're not saying how it can be remedied. So there's that go that regulatory issue. But then on top of that. As a result of that, they said that they couldn't practice, but that meant they could also not attend the births of families and family and friends as a result. This was challenged by many independent midwives. And as a result of that challenge, the NMC then banned all midwives in the UK from attending family and friends. This means that it is possible for a a midwife, an NHS midwife, not to be able to attend the birth of their own child, the child of their partner. So this is this has caused something of a rumpus. Then at the back of this, which is also going on, is that the NMC has been restructuring the way it regulates midwifery in the UK. And in the UK, there's a structure of supervision, which is kind of 
mentoring, independent mentoring, independent of your employer. So that means your employer can say, okay, we want you to practice in this kind of way. But a woman might say, well, I don't want to, to have anything to do with that policy. I want a home birth, even though, for instance, it's not the policy of the, the trust to do that. And the supervisor of midwives is an independent, experienced midwife who can support the midwife to support the woman, but also support everybody involved where there is a situation where policy isn't being followed within the hospital trust, but a woman is wanting to make that choice. That that whole structure is just going away as of the 31st of March. And then, as if that's not enough, the midwifery code has been, there was a, a midwifery code which talked about how midwives practised, and that's just gone. As of the 31st of March, that isn't happening anymore. So there isn't a midwifery code, there's just a code of practice for nurses and midwives. And of course, nurses are there to care for people who are sick. Midwives are there to support women who are generally healthy. Uh, just listening to that, I can just feel myself getting so mad because it just feels like, um, you know, just beginning at the beginning, the first thing, let's just start from the top. You've got independent midwives who are suddenly no longer to support women. And the reason that they're mainly called on by women is those women that need that additional level of support, that want that continuity of care, that maybe have been traumatised first time around, that want somebody that they trust that they, you know, they have every right to have somebody that they trust, that they know who's going to turn up at their birth, not having some random midwife that might be on duty that then will disappear because she's on a different shift or she's being called in different directions. You know, this for me is a fundamental right that women should be entitled to. And But the thing is, they right now they don't get it. They have to pay for it. And now they're not even allowed to pay for it. You know, this is kind of... So that makes me mad, and I've already ranted about this already. But then the whole supervision of midwives thing, where you've got a conflict between policy and what the woman wants, again makes me mad, because how dare you tell a woman what she can and can't have in her own birth, what she is allowed to do to a body? Can you tell I'm getting ranty here? Because it just makes me so mad. And so the supervision of midwives things is quite, you know, that, that's a big deal as well. And um, what was that last thing you said? It was about the midwifery code. The midwifery code. Yeah. So now now there's a the whole idea that, that, you know, giving birth is a natural process. It's a perfectly natural thing for a woman to just want to give birth. It's not a medical situation. Now it's just being swathed into, into the whole medical establishment by not giving, you know. So, this, so yeah, this is how I feel as a mother. And I it makes me so mad to think that I've given birth to two daughters. They're one and six this is going to affect them as mothers. All the work I'm doing to try and improve birth from where I'm sitting, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, m yeah. my daughters aren't going to be able to benefit from what I had as a birth yeah. experience. So, so I just want to try and relate this to mothers listening because the only people I feel that can really put the pressure on in a powerful way are the mothers listening to this conversation. And so um, I don't want people listen to this podcast thinking oh this is all about midwives whinging no it isn't this is about women protecting their rights to be able to birth how they want and that is uh, that's your fundamental right so I'm just going to stop ranting for a minute now and let you maybe pick up the mantle but <laughs> <laughs> you you delivered a great talk at the uh, Association of Radical Midwives Conference that everybody on Facebook was just going yay 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 so um, I j would just love you to kind of summarize what you're given the situation that's unfolding and also, I think just to put a little bit of international context into our conversation is that, yes, this might be a UK situation. But the thing is, the UK does lead the way in many ways in midwifery. So people look to us yeah. to how we're doing stuff. 
So what we're doing here is under a bit of a spotlight internationally and we need to do the right thing in inverted commas. So um, to make sure that we're looking after rights for women around the world. So this is why it's not just the UK having a little bit of a hissy fit in the corner. This is something that's a little bit more that we all need to take a little bit more seriously. So I just want to awaken the women activists in everyone who might be listening and uh, and let you now, Ruth, explain what you think might be a, a way forward to get us out of this mess. Right. Okay. Well, it's very difficult because there's lots that can be done. And I think it depends who you are and where you are in the country and in the world, what you do. I think in my speech, my big thing is when I when you listen to all those things that are going on, it makes a lot of people feel disempowered. And it feels like people give it midwives are working those 12 hour shifts and having to look at three look after three women at once. Again, just think I can't do any more. You know, independent midwives are faced with barrier after barrier and, and and some of them are really tired of having to deal with this and so you know and women just say well who's going to listen to me when I go and ask for when when all the structures are being taken away to, to enable me to deliver my deliver the choice of my birth and the care that I want I always believe um, over many years because my background is um, community organizing that you can focus on the problem and you can get depressed or you can focus on the goal of solution and you can do something with it. And you say, right, how do we change this? And it might take years to do it. But if we focus on the goal of solution, then we'll get there. And as always, you always need something to make you laugh. So I called it the big, hairy, audacious goal. I love because it. <laughs> it's big and audacious because it's a big challenge. And it's um, and it's hairy because it's a fun thing to, to think about. And we have to have fun while we're making change happen. Because it's fun when things go right. And that's what we're aiming for. Yeah, no, I love I, everything that you're saying. I love it. I'm completely behind you, 100%. I love, I love the idea of making something like this fun because, yes, it's a serious issue, but it doesn't mean we have to take ourselves seriously while bringing about change. So having fun and bringing about change, I'm there with bells on, Ruth. So tell us, what's this big, hairy, audacious goal and how can we help you to make it become a reality? Right, okay. Well, when we looked at the situation, independent midwifery is like a canary in the cage in the in the mine, you know, that um, if that dies, it's because the air's not good. And we need to take notice of that before we get clobbered. And so we then looked at what the situation was. Well, insurance is part at the back of it, but it's not really insurance because actually it's the regulatory body who's made the decision in a kind of arbitrary fashion. And it's also the way the decision is made, which hasn't been caring towards women and their requirements and there's not really protected them at all and then when we realized we looked at it we realized that supervision is being gone and the midwifery code is going and we looked at other issues that um, historically within the NMC we began to feel that this was the key area that needs to change that would resolve a lot of the other problems that are there because the midwifery board doesn't have a practice of midwife on it so the decisions that are being made currently by this board don't have midwife a midwife input into it and um, and I think that is absolutely key to what's happening because it shows a lack of understanding of midwifery and also the needs of, of birthing women and their families so what do we do about it well 
when we're when you're organizing a, a big campaign there's lots of things everybody can do and that is great and i would say to people just do whatever you can on whatever because whatever you do is worthwhile and worth doing but there's some key things that 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 will help us along the way first of all there are a lot of petitions but there's one we're particularly supporting at the moment and it's on the uk houses of parliament petition and there's a, a website called save our midwife which has all these things on it and there's writing a letter to your MP there's and there's templates for you to do that you will get uh, a snotty reply not a snotty you'll get a, a <laughs> standard kind reply yeah <laughs> uh, that's okay just keep sending them because what we're hearing from the parliament is that that more and more questions are being asked in parliament and the issues being raised over and over again so we know it's having an impact the more let it's just keep sending those letters ignore the response and just go in again and um, and the same with the NMC make a complaint you can make a complaint to the NMC and um, and you just can go on their website and do it there's an email so you can go and make a complaint on the NMC you will get a pat answer but it's another complaint when they audit their complaints there will be a great big number of letters that is really important for everybody and then just for people like me who need fun I, I I'm not a great Twitterer but I tweet regularly now about um, Save Our Midwife and tweet about um, the NMC um, not fit for purpose hashtag not fit for purpose because it's quite fun to do and it's just keeping people on their toes and one of the midwives a one midwife a retired midwife uh, has said right well I'm going to stand outside um, the headquarters of the NMC on the 5th of May and anyone fancy joining me so we've said yeah that sounds a brilliant thing to do we'll go down and uh, join you so there's going to be a very colourful um, and colourful and noisy protest outside the headquarters of the NMC in central London on the 5th of May and it goes on like that um, there's at the back of this there are a group of people the association of radical midwives wants to propose alternative regulation or reform of regulation and he's doing some homework on that and if there are people out there who are into reading lots of <laughs> reading lots of stuff <laughs> um, I'm not one of those people I can read it and I will read it if I have to but we need people who are good at going through policy and um, drawing up um, stuff that you know um, policies and things like that to enable us to put proposals forward because on one hand we need to make a lot of noise on the other hand we need to provide a solution mm. So basically what you've given there, there's lots of ways that people can get involved. And I just want to reiterate to the international listeners, obviously, this isn't just a UK issue. And obviously, not all of you from the US and Australia and Canada, from wherever you might be listening and anywhere else in the world, aren't going to be able to rock up in central London on the 5th of May. But what you can do is sign the petition for us. So I'm going to be including links that um, everything that Ruth has mentioned, there'll be links in the podcast show notes so that you can show your support. Because what we need is this is a numbers game. We need mothers to come together and really show support here because... If we can bring about something really positive here in the UK, a really great change, then other countries will look to us and hopefully we can get this to ripple outward and provide, you know, improve birth for everyone worldwide. So this might sound like, you know, us having a little bit of a rant over here in the UK and who, who cares what's going on in the UK, but actually this can really make a difference. So if your mother listening 
just sign the petition. That's all we need. That's all we need. We just need your email. But if you are in the UK, then come to London. If you're in London, you absolutely have to come and march and or dress in colourful clothes and just generally make a fool of yourself in front of the NMC on the 5th of May. Um, and, and, and if anything, just share it on Facebook so that we can get, you know, do the hashtag thing on Twitter. So all those hashtags are saving the midwife hashtag, the um, not fit for purpose hashtag. All that is going to be in the podcast show notes so that you can help us to spread the word um, because that is really what we need to do. So so just going back to the big, the big, and then obviously if you're into all the boring policy stuff, then show us your hand, help us in any way you can. But going back to the, the big goal then here is, 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 did I hear you say something about setting up an alternative regulator? Is that what you were saying earlier? I think that, that in the end, we need a midwifery regulator that yeah. is run uh, by midwives and women. Um, at the moment, it's the nursing and midwifery and, um, and midwives have a very, very small part. Of it. They don't have a, a practicing midwife on the board making these decisions. That is wrong. We need midwives and women and their families regulating midwifery because we are the beneficiaries of it we're the major stakeholders in it yeah. so i'm looking at a third midwives a third um women and uh, women to representatives and a third stakeholder organizations i think that is far far better than what we've got to the moment is yeah. i which is a board that doesn't actually have a stake in the well-being of women and their babies not directly as we do think about the international um, side as well because um, one of the things i've found is when i've gone to international conferences it's it's interesting to listen to other structures of midwifery and sometimes you just think i'm so lucky to be in the uk because there is such a strong um, fight amongst women and and there's a strong body of midwives fighting for the well-being of midwifery and then i also look at other areas of the world and think wow, I'd love to be in New Zealand, <laughs> you know, and um, where, you know, where midwives have, have, have such a strong um, culture of practice. So I think around the world, we need to learn from one another. And we are, we here in the UK at the moment are saying, where is midwifery being done well? And can we learn from them? And where are the structures that um, of regulation and um, mentoring and support around the world that we can look at? to help us build the kind of regulation in the UK that women and midwives need and deserve. Mm. And, and also, I mean, I think it's probably worth mentioning just, you know, we're, we're talking about how we need to sort of save the midwife and really help midwifery get back to what it's all about. But there is a lot of evidence as to why midwifery is so important in the context of birth that, you know, what's really staggering is there's solid evidence around continuity of care, around midwifery care. And this is yeah. just being railroaded out the room and, yeah. and ignored. So just would you mind, obviously, you're the one that is so expert in all these things. Would you mind just sort of reiterating, reminding us what is the evidence for midwifery and how it does have an impact on birth experiences and outcomes? It's absolutely coming through that what I would say to people is look at the midwifery Lancet series um, because that has all the evidence of um, midwifery and the importance of midwifery around the world. And this is being this is now going into World Health Organization documents and it's also going into um, the um, UN statements. So it's really important in terms of the well-being of mother and baby. 
And what we know is that if you have a continuity of midwifery care, and I'm not talking about just one mother, one midwife, it can be a, a small team of midwives um, where there's continuity and, and, and that people know each other, then, then it reduces stillbirth rates, it reduces miscarriage, it reduces instrumental delivery. Women's perception of pain during birth is less and people talk about the, um, the length of birth being shorter. But, and postnatally, women are less likely to, to um, experience postnatal de depression and trauma and women are also more likely to breastfeed. Um, my personal feeling is that that's because they, are, they have support and compassion. So, so midwifery makes a big, big difference to the outcomes and the experiences for mothers and their families. And I think that is just, that's what we need to let everybody know about. And that's why I'm fighting this battle, because my daughter is, my eldest daughter is now 22. And so I've got a very short period of time to ensure that she can get the care that she deserves. Yeah. And it, yeah, and I, you know, just thinking, you know, all those things that you've just cited, you know, I'm absolutely passionate about improving birth for women. And, and for me, I take the perspective from that fear angle, because for me, fear is just so damaging in the birth space. But, you know, when you when you take into contact how the midwives can affect that fear piece you know when you think about going into birth you don't know the person who's going to be there what if you don't get on with her what if you can't relax what if you don't know how she's going to react to what you want what if she doesn't buy into your philosophy of how you want your birth to go imagine the level of fear that you are going to have as a woman no wonder there are adverse outcomes if there isn't that you know you just don't know that that lack of knowledge that lack of being able to relax into your birth and surrender to it fully is really what's going to impact women. And so this midwifery piece is just so crucial that, I mean, this is why I'm really sort of um, passionate about it. Because I just really want, I believe women need that right to be able to choose. They, why cannot they choose how they birth their babies, what they do with their bodies? This is, this is absolutely fundamental. So, yeah. um, you know, if you are a mother, if, you, if you've had your babies, if you teach, you know, you support birth women, this is something that we need you to get involved with. But also, I know I have a lot of student midwives listening and they often email me because they find the podcast a source of great information as part of their training. So I'm just wondering if, if you know, do you have a message maybe for some of the student midwives listening as to maybe how they could get involved and they might feel like oh my goodness I'm going into this profession it's all changing they might feel a little bit fearful they might feel a little bit worried and and feeling like they can't actually impact anything can they and if so what can they do I think my message to student midwives is that you are at that point at the beginning of your career and so you have in some ways as a midwife the biggest stake because this is your career that, that we're talking about, your profession. And also in some ways because you're students and you're not yet employed, you have a powerful position because you are learning, you're getting up-to-date evidence at the moment, but also you can speak out, you have a freedom to speak out that some other midwives don't feel able to do. And I have so much time for the student midwives I meet um, a, a day in, day out and come across um, for the work that they do in taking forward their own profession. So we've talked about all the things like the petition and the letters and all that. That is something that, that, that anybody can do and midwives um, especially. But also I think with um, student midwives, one of the things I think I would like to see is them setting up public meetings and, and discussions where they can invite um, speakers with specialist knowledge to come and inform them and also in a sense feedback to them some of the the stuff 
that, that you know the concerns that they have so that in a sense it becomes a kind of lobbying which is even more is effective in a different way and at the ARM um, where I gave my speech there were people there who came from um, the NMC and from um, the, the supervision um, management um, regional management um, people and they they spoke and the people in the meeting were asking them questions and calling them to account. And that was really powerful. That enables them to go back and say, your stakeholders are not happy and they are asking these questions and these questions. It puts pressure on, but also at the same time, it informs you of what's going on. So it's a two-way dialogue. And I think student midwives are in the unique position of doing that. Mm. And the other thing to be aware of is that that in the regulation, the regulator, the NMC is also involved in the regulation of their education, their training. And so they need to get involved in that and find out more and start getting involved and ensuring they get the training that they want for the care of their, their women and their profession, not what you know somebody else is not wanting mary renfrew is heading the review and mary renfrew is an amazing midwife who's been involved in the lancet series and is reviewing the education and so she's a really good person to to begin a dialogue with and student midwives could do that is there anything else that um, we haven't covered as part of this that you'd like to talk about I would just reiterate that it, this is about change making. It's about focusing, recognizing the problem, seeing it and be willing to see it, but not focusing on that, but focusing on the solution. We mustn't give up, we mustn't despair. We must just say, we can make this change. So many groups of women over the suffrage movement is where I take a lot of my inspiration. The suffrage movement made change happen and they were working in a much more difficult and discriminatory age than we are today. So we can make change happen. And I think the other thing that certainly I'm aware of is that how how little known this issue is, this mm. challenge is that is facing women, which is why I feel like I want to pick up and run a little bit with it and do my piece, because in certainly in the UK, it's not really hit mainstream media yet. And it's like, why isn't this hitting mainstream media? Is it the whole patriarchal controlling of the news issue going on here? P- women just don't seem to realise that this is happening and we need to really raise awareness of this whole thing and so you know if there's anybody listening that does that is involved in you know the media or making a noise or whatever it's not just about activists it's about just generally raising awareness and and, and letting other women know in your community letting the fathers know too because at the end of the day if a woman doesn't have a positive birth experience the impact does not just affect her it affects the baby it affects the family it affects the father you know this is a society issue it's not just a women's issue and yet it's it's not even getting awareness so if there's anything that you can do listening to this to really just just tell three people today about this issue in your community that can that can make a huge impact and it just that's such a small thing to do you know even just sharing it on your facebook page and sharing why you think this is important this kind of thing is really going to help get this issue out there because at the moment it's just not even it's not even known that's the thing that is just so frustrating so um yeah anything that people can do would be really really helpfully received appreciated in so many ways wouldn't it Ruth 
absolutely. I mean, I was just thinking as you were talking, there were two things that made me smile when I think. First of all, that on the way back from the meeting, I was telling a gentleman on the train, he was inebriated coming back from a football match and he foolishly asked me what I was doing. And so he, he learned a great deal about midwifery that he didn't know already. And because I've got quite a carrying voice, I'm sure that many people on the carriage also were aware of the situation about midwifery before I got off the train. In fact, I missed my station. I was very <laughs> And, uh, and the other thing that was really interesting is that just only last week, a friend of mine whose only connection with maternity is me, and she'd picked up an article in the Catholic Herald. This issue had been raised and explained beautifully, a fantastic article, and she sent it to me because she knew I would be interested. But of course, I shared it everywhere. And that's what it is about, that people who have actually nothing to do with maternity in the rest of their lives take this on because they care about us because they know that it matters for us and that's a community issue isn't it yeah and, and, and to, be, to be able to say that you know we're not affected by maternity i think everybody is everybody knows somebody who's pregnant everybody knows somebody who's had kids who was going to have kids every you know i mean this this really does affect everybody so for people to think that it doesn't it's not part of it doesn't really affect them is is just a, bit, a little bit naive in my opinion because this is absolutely affects everybody and so um yeah this is something that we need to start making some noise about anyway i'm going to get off my ranty soapbox now and um, <laughs> and wrap that up so we are, i'm going to summarize in the podcast show notes where you can add your support with the petition what hashtags we're doing there's also there's the the website save the midwife website where there's email addresses that you can email the nmc which is the nursing midwifery council here in the uk they're the ones that have made the ruling about indemnity insurance uh, they're the ones that have no midwives advising them at all um, and so this is where you can send your complaints so all that information is going to be on the podcast show notes to go with today's episode um, and i'd like to thank you ruth for coming on board and sharing your expertise and and, and all the big hairy audacious plans if anybody wants to sort of get in touch with you directly and maybe talk to you because maybe they are a policy person or a uh, whatever all the boring stuff that you mentioned how can they get in touch with you ruth well they can get in touch with me via facebook ruth aquabirths western and they can get in touch with me by email which is ruth at aquabirths.co.uk and it's aquabirths spelled a-q-u-a-b-i-r-t-h-s for sugar perfect thank mm. you so much ruth thank you so much not at all thank you Well, I hope you found that enlightening and eye-opening. I certainly found it enlightening and eye-opening when I was chatting to Ruth and I couldn't quite believe the extent to which things are moving in a very dangerous direction in terms of midwifery and women's rights. So I hope that listening to her has persuaded you that there's maybe something that you can do to help. So let me just summarise quickly what you can do to help. The first thing which anybody can do, no matter where you are in the world, is this. Sign the petition. There's a link on the podcast show notes to the petition where we'd really love your support. If everybody who listens to this podcast signed the petition, we would be debated in Parliament here in the UK. And that would be amazing. So literally, if you just sign the petition, because that means that you literally have got a voice and your voice will count. Literally, if everybody who listens to this podcast episode signs the petition, it will get listened to in UK Parliament. And that counts for a lot. The other thing you can do is use Twitter. Just make a load of noise on Twitter using the hashtag Save the Midwife or Not for Purpose, which he talked about as well during the podcast. If you're in the UK, there is a demo demonstration happening on the 5th of May in central London. So rock up there, wear some loud clothes, colourful clothes, big smiley face, nice big placard and make some noise. You can also write to your MP on the website, Save Our Midwives website. There's loads 
of letters, template letters that you can use there and basically just barrage your temp, your MPs a load of load of stuff. You can join IMUK, which is the Independent Midwife, uh, Midwives UK body, and you can join them by paying your membership. That will support them in the actions that they're taking. You can also complain to the NMC, which is the Nursing and Midwifery Council. Again, there's an email address on the podcast show notes that you can use as well. Then there's also, I've also shared some other information on the podcast show notes. Um, Ruth shared the, uh, she talked about the, all the evidence, the mount, all the evidence that exists around why midwives really do have a positive impact on birth. And she mentioned the Lancet series. So I've got a link to the Lancet series on midwifery as well in the podcast show notes, as well as contact details for Ruth, if there's something that you want to do more directly to support the cause. So I hope that we've got you on board and that, um, that you've learned a lot about the women that support women in birth and how we really do need to stick together here to protect the rights of our sisters as well as our daughters into the future. So um, thank you for listening and I'll see you again next week. Bye for now. You've just been listening to me, Alexia Leachman, here on the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, this is just a wee reminder that if you'd like to listen to bonus podcast episodes and have access to loads of birth preparation downloads, my video mini series on reducing your fears and so much more, then join the Fearless Mummership community today. You can join at fearfreechildbirth.com. Until next time, bye for now.